Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Healthy Perspective Podcast. I'm your host, Scott. Today I'm joined by Jamie, another creative at the agency and a member of the Emerging Digital Group. Jamie, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Scott. I'm excited to be here. Uh, Today we're going to be speaking with a special guest, Risa Wexler from Pfizer, and she's going to be talking to us about digital trends and digital healthcare space. So let's get started. Here's our conversation. Enjoy. So you describe yourself as a digital nerd on LinkedIn. What would you say you do at Pfizer? That is actually not my job at Pfizer, but um, I happily play that role. My job at Pfizer is I lead all of our media investments across the pharmaceutical business, and that is essentially my day job. The other parts of my job are things that I've picked up along the way, uh, one of which is the digital capabilities lead, helping marketers become familiar with how to be digital, how to develop for digital. Uh, We figure things out. We train them how to do it and then make it part of what they do. It is just marketing. It is not separate. It is not digital marketing. It is all the same thing. And so we have to figure out how to make sure we're creating and developing across all the platforms. Uh, I just picked up another role, which is leading an innovation accelerator. Not an incubator, an accelerator. Um, How do we get new things that we figure out to market faster? So figuring out what that looks like now and... um, more to come, I guess. So as, so as marketers, the landscape is always changing, new technologies are coming out, new communication channels are coming out. How do you think the, the patient behavior or the consumer behavior has changed in the last five years and maybe today and into tomorrow? I think the landscape has changed. I guess everybody would say it's changed dramatically. I would also say it has not changed at all. So uh, the role of marketer shouldn't change, right? You're trying to get your ideas and your things Whatever you have that can benefit patients, you're trying to make sure that they have access to it. What we have today are different ways to to get the information out, different tools that we can use to make it easier for patients to get the information and things that they need. So uh, patients, their lives have changed, all of our lives have changed. I think technology's made things easier and yet more complicated. Uh, Last night I was on an emergency tech call with my mother-in-law who lives in Massachusetts where I had to explain the double tap on the round button on her phone (laughs) so she could do a little hard shutdown of one of her apps. So for her, technology does not make life easier, and she's your basic standard patient, right? She's like 65 years old, um, and it's difficult for them. So a lot of our patients are older, and technology has not made their lives easier. My mom says to me, when you're 75, you let me know what it's like when your kids are trying to teach you what to do on whatever the latest device is, you're gonna be equally frustrated. So we have to think about ways to make it easier for all of our patients, whether they're 25, 65, or 85. And how do you find out what makes it easier for a patient? We ask them. If we're not asking them, we're, we're deaf, right? So you have a hypothesis and then you have to go test it. You have to figure it out. So with all the technology changing, um, how has communication to patients changed in the last five years? It's, I think, as a patient, it's become more overwhelming. So the good news is there's more stuff available. The bad news is there's more stuff available. Right. How do you make sense of what is available? How do you make it accessible? How do you make it easy? Right. I always talk about here the easy button. I want to make sure that whatever we do, whatever we develop, whatever we figure out, for the marketers, we're going to hit the easy button for them so that they just Instead of from them going from step one to step 10 to develop something, they can start at step six because I'll take care of the first part for them. 
Same way if you're a patient on the other side, you know, a lot of what you see is that they're, they make everybody start over every single time. I mean, if you've been to a doctor for a visit recently, they ask you the same questions over and over. Then a nurse comes in and asks you the same question. Then a, then a nurse practitioner comes in. They all ask you the same questions over and over. Some write it down. I had some woman who wrote down something on a sticky note and then went away. And then somebody else came back and asked me the same questions. <laughs> It was clear why, because the person before her didn't really have any, any way to communicate what she had just asked me. But, um, so I think we have to make it easier. I think it's gotten more complicated. And we have to continue to focus on what's necessary, not what's available. So when you approach a problem, you, know, you want to make sure that it's easy. What's, what is your kind of process when you approach any kind of problem? You have to find ways to get rid of all the noise. So uh, I have a filter which is known as the bright, shiny toy filter, right? Everybody comes to me and says, oh, Risa, you won't believe this great, cool new thing. And they say, well, we want to do this with it. It's super cool. It's AR, VR, whatever R this week, AI, whatever, There's all the buzzwords that are standard. And then I say, well, what's the problem you're trying to solve for? And I get like a blank stare. And if you can't articulate your problem, why on earth are you coming to me with a solution? And if you start with a problem, and it is very well articulated, the solution may not be obvious or easy, but when you get to the solution, you'll be pretty clear that you think that you've probably solved mm -hmm. uh, what the problem was. Do you think, do you think patients are looking for change, or they, are they kind of annoyed with all the change? I think it depends on the age of the patient. So if you, I think it's, I don't know if it's about change as much as it is about expectations. Mm, yes. Right. So if you're 25 years old, you expect to do everything on your phone. You couldn't imagine. When I have to fax something, which I had to do this morning for um, a, a script for my son for allergy medication. Sorry, what's a fax? A fax? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm not 25. <laughs> I was completely annoyed. I had to run around looking for there must be a machine on this floor that actually can send a fax. <laughs> right. So. Um, you know, it's not about change, it's about expectation. If you're 25, you expect to do everything on your phone. You expect it to be available all the time. You know, we talk about on-demand and easy access. It, we're not, we shouldn't be talking about it. That just is, right? Versus if you're 55, 65, 75, you're wondering, well, why can't I just call you or drop by or fax it to you? And you're wondering why you can't get in to see your physician anymore because everything is changing. So it, it really depends on where you started from. So you mentioned going to the waiting room, having to fill out all that information over and over and over. It seems like there's a problem with the system. How do we fix that? I think the system itself is complicated. And you hear all the time about all the money, um, all the VC money that's been invested into accelerating the pace of change and inventing the change itself inside the healthcare system. I think if it were easy, it would be done already. I think one of the best things that ever happened was um, the incentive, which turned into a bit of a punishment, a more carrot than stick. Um, but in the Affordable Care Act, where physicians and practices were really pushed and pushed and pushed to get on electronic medical records. And you saw that happen, and it was slow, and then it became quick. And in the beginning, the government said, we'll give you money to transition over. Because how could there be a day where you're not just using your phone to have all your information? I just read this morning about Apple's investment 
and they're looking to buy new companies to fast forward their play within the healthcare world and they see a day in the not too distant future where it's all on your phone mm -hmm. and you shouldn't have to repeat the same information. You should be able to stand in the waiting room and instead of signing into your system, I'm just going to kind of fling you my information into whatever system you have, which is hopefully compatible with Apple so that they're, they could um, get, get dominance back, not to be dominant, but just to make it easier. So let's say all patients start to adopt this change. What do you see as some of those barriers of better healthy outcomes? If, if everyone's adopting these using technology, what are some of the barriers of like, why, is it, why would it still be slow or why does that not solve the problem? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't look for barriers as much as I look for opportunities. And every advancement is probably going to come with both, as well as you know some downsides because you're losing something when you're when you're gaining something in in most situations. So I don't know what the barriers will be or what will stick if the fax machine will ever go away. Um, I could imagine it could just become quicker, right? Practicing medicine could become quicker. They continually talk about bots. I saw a stat the other day that said 90% of interactions in the medical space won't happen with a person. They'll, they'll put information in and uh, something will read your vitals and, you know, somewhere else they're going to have a very quick system to identify what's up and what's not up. And then a human will come in and interact with you. I can imagine that's good news, bad news, because without part of the human interaction, you're probably missing some of what's actually happening with a patient. So, Communicating with these bots um, and even using your phone for everything and Apple upgrading their health kit, this is all just collecting data. So how is this data impacting the healthcare industry? I think it will most impact uh, research and development and health outcomes. So if you're in a very large healthcare system, if you're part of like a Geisinger or Kaiser, one of those really big ones, at some point they have all the data in the system and their own clinical trials to say this works, this doesn't work, or we've noticed this type of a symptom in this type of a patient. So all of this, once we can figure out how to make sense of all the data, all of this should help achieve better health outcomes faster. So instead of circling through a system with back pain, as an example, they would be able to identify why and what and how to treat it much faster, I would hope. Well, with all, well, with all this, like, you know, uh, new technologies and new data and this kind of new patient evolving, how is, how is Pfizer forging ahead in this digital space? Um, I would say it's not new. And I would say it is constant. We are not a company that sits still. We are a company that uh, is always looking ahead and thinking through where should we go, what should we be doing next. I think to an outsider, healthcare in general, big pharma companies look slow. I think people should reinterpret that as deliberate. The bets are big and they have a big impact on, in many cases, society. So if we decide to jump on every bright, shiny toy, uh, we're never going to get anything accomplished that's productive. Mm -hmm. But if we decide after some serious assessment that we should put all of our energy on fill in the blank, then fill in the blank is going to get all the attention that we think it deserves, and we're going to do it, and we're going to do it well, and uh, we'll produce good, I think, um, uh, out, out in, the, in the world. Right. If you could change one thing about the healthcare industry, I, think, I mean, obviously, I think it's doing really well. Um, what would you change about it? There should be better music in doctor's offices because that makes me feel sick when I hear. <laughs> that standard waiting room music. <laughs> Spotify should get on that. Exactly. Should be some kind of Pfizer, the, Spotify partnership. What's the situation there? I don't know. Uh, if I could change anything, I don't know. I'm not 
but I'm not a doctor. I just play one at, at parties. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween. <sure. laughs> Halloween, whatever it takes. I don't know. I mean, it would, it would be faster, better, and cheaper, right? The whole mm. system would be smarter. To have to, you know, experience, I mentioned where I had gone in and I had met with one person, then another person, another person. Literally four people asked me probably about 70% of the same questions. And I thought, I'm going to get a bill from like four or five different groups within this medical practice for I have no idea what. They didn't <laughs> do anything, touch me or solve anything. And sure enough, I got a bill from four different, you know, parts of the organization and so the waste in the system, that the system band-aided itself to such a place where I don't even think most of these systems understand the impact sometimes that it's having on patients. Well, at the same time, they do. They're very smart. Um, and I, I don't know if, if collectively everybody knows how to fix that because you want to make sure that you're careful. So asking four times, that's really not a bad thing in somebody's world because mm. you want to make sure and double and triple and quadruple check that you're asking the right questions, you're looking at it from all the angles. So I don't even know that it's waste that I saw in that experience that I had as much as thoroughness, which I don't think anybody would argue is a good thing. Um, so I, I have no idea. If I had some answers, I would, you know, all due respect, I'd be making billions of dollars um, somewhere else right now, although, <laughs> I, you know, I kind of enjoy what I do, so um, maybe I would do it on the side. But I don't know how to change it or make it better. I think it'll work its way through, and um, I have faith that, that good will come. Mm -hmm. Has trying to reach the to different audiences, um, specifically like millennials versus boomers, has that been challenging for you guys? I think it's challenging to be all things to all people regardless of whether you're selling, uh, you know, refrigerators, which are super high tech, but they need to keep your lettuce cold all at the same time. I think you have to, the marketers have to think through what's the most important thing to each particular patient population. So there's a skill of agility and prioritization that has to be put in play. And that's not always easy for everyone because you have to choose. You can't be all things to all people and you have to be effective at what you choose. Are there any trends that you're noticing or that you're kind of excited about? Well, Mary Meeker just uh, released her annual uh, Internet Trends last week. And, um, you know, one of the things that struck me, other than the pace at which she delivers just an astounding amount of information, was uh, she talked about data. And everybody talks about data. I don't know that anybody knows what to do with all the data yet. But what she said was, and I'm paraphrasing, the amount and the speed at which data is available today is surpassing Moore's law as the reason for technological advancement. And if you just think about that for a minute, yeah, you're well. like, okay, so it's not computing power. There's now more data than we know what to do with. Yep. How do you make sense of all that? So whether it's cognitive computing in, in any form or, or AI, something will figure out how to swallow that hole. And I'd say the, the handful of companies that can figure that out will be very successful. Yeah, I mean, people are on mobile devices or Fitbits or mm -hmm. computers, and they're just collecting data on everything. Yep. They don't even know what to do with it. Like, to your point, they're, like, they're just collecting it just because they feel like they need to. They don't know what to do with it. How many right. why, why, if I'm on I was, I, I, some app that I, so I took a little swim with my phone. I drowned it. <laughs> it was terrible. Oops. I was away at the time. I, went, I came home, and I wound up getting... Uh, like finding an, an old uh, iPhone 6 lying around the office and I went and I logged back in and I had to download a handful of apps again and the apps that were asking me for my location yeah. were 
baffling. I mean, Waze should know where I am. Uh, LinkedIn, you could argue, sure, they're trying to serve you ads to make sure that the jobs that they're searching for for you are, uh, you know, the right thing uh, in the right area. But there were so many apps that wanted access to my microphone and um, my camera and my location, which is just, I know I'm a little paranoid because of, of what I do and how much I, I know and see in the tech world a little bit. Right. But for corn sakes, you do not need that information for, for you know, maybe 90% of the apps that are out there. Mm -hmm. So for those that are collecting it, what are they doing with it? Why do they, they don't need it. So are they selling it? Are they mining it? What, what are they doing with it? I'd love to know and I'd love to know Half of these, these companies probably don't even have the ability to do anything with it. Yeah. So what happens to it? Does it drop to the floor? Does it get sold to Russia? Who knows? Well, that's, I feel like, the big trend, too, is the transparency of the whole thing, right? Like, all these apps are asking you for things, but that's just with everything. Like, you know, the marketers are asking you to do certain things, and it's like, why am I giving you my email? Like, what are you going to do with it? When I, when I buy something at a store, like a brick-and-mortar store, they're like, do you want this? Can we have your phone number? I'm like, no. I'm good. <laughs> I don't give him my phone number. And I have yeah. a spam email account that I sign up for things with. And what is that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's your name yeah. at, at AOL.com. So follow-up question then. So is there a trend that you're not excited about? And I feel like I kind of know the answer. Is it? A, What's the answer? Is it a, more apps asking for your location? <laughs> it's more apps, first of all. I'm not much of a prognosticator because I'm, I'm known to be wrong. So. <laughs> I can predict that I will be wrong most of the time. Right. Uh, but, you know, it's funny when you, you go through a cycle of um, CES or South By or any of these things and you hear all the, the buzzwords that, that come out of it. You can just imagine a year later those will not be the same buzzwords and nobody will care about it. So I don't know what the trends are. I mean, I, I don't think data is a trend. I think it's a fact. And I think we have to figure out a way to understand the why and the what and just hope to God that it gets used for good because uh, there are a lot of people out there who want to use it for evil. But I could imagine if you could harness just a little bit of it, there's a lot of good that can be had. What advice would you give our listeners that are trying to stay tech savvy in such a crazy tech world right now? Uh, just don't be afraid. Just keep playing with all of it. Don't be afraid. If you push a button, your phone won't explode. One thing I, I am fond of saying is never say never and never say always. So if you follow that through, you know, never say you'll never switch from Apple to Android, which I would probably say out loud and here you've recorded it. But hey, you know, you never know. I've played with other operating systems and found them interesting and fun. So don't be afraid of it. You, you probably won't hurt yourself if you tap a button somewhere. <laughs> You say that, and then I hurt myself. I happen to be oh like, a, you know, I'm the person, I'm the tech person who will tap and touch every single button to make something better or bang it or throw right. it. Right. You're the little so, kid on the elevator who's touching all the buttons. You found me out. <laughs> um, <laughs> so pretty much don't listen to me <laughs> and whatever I've said so far on this podcast. Um, you know, just be curious is, is another thing to remember. Are there any sites or resources you go to for staying relevant in the tech space? I love Recode. I think it's a great source. They have a good perspective. Just kind of curiously following random interesting stories and trends. I am fascinated by, and yet I'm scared to death of the dark web and the deep web, so I won't even search for it. Because <laughs> I'm certain that somebody is looking on my, on my computer. I just, I cannot believe this exists. It is a whole other world. 
uh, I guess I knew it existed, but I never I think deep really down understood you knew it existed. It existed. Yeah. That's why I can't sleep because the <laughs> internet is just so vast and big. So it's vast. Like, I think I'm at the end, and then there's a whole other Oh, world. yeah. You're actually only at the beginning. The, <laughs> yeah. the tip of the iceberg, they yeah. say. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, I think we're just about out of time. So I want to thank you again, Risa, for joining us. Yes, thank you. This is super educational, and I'm not going to be afraid of the internet anymore. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you. So that was our conversation with Risa Wexler. I found it really interesting hearing Risa's perspective on digital trends and I don't know about you, Scott. Yeah, it was a great conversation. I want to thank Risa for joining us. She was an absolute blast. Uh, I hope you guys and gals liked that episode. If you did, please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe. If you're curious about some other digital trends happening in the space, follow us, Patience and Purpose, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And with that, we'll see you guys next time.